Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 60. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we talk about building successful and profitable game businesses. My special guest today is Lynn... And this is where I forgot to ask what, how to pronounce your last name specifically. Podium. Podium. Okay, thank you very much. I was going to do that beforehand, but we got that out of the way. She's the owner of uh, the game board in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to make sure. Again, I'm in Canada. WI right. is like, that could be anything. It's in the words good. of the Geek and Sundry article she was recently featured on, and to quote, she is a pioneer in many ways for retailers in the tabletop industry and is a paragon for the kind of good a friendly local game store can do for a community beyond its store walls. It's good stuff. She's been elected to three terms to the Gamma Board of Retailers, in addition to sitting on the Business Advisory Board for RCS Empowers. Today we're going to talk about how Lynn built up the game board into the business it is today and how playing games can be more than just having fun. They can also keep your brain healthy. So Lynn, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, having a chat with us. So let's just let's dive into it. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, how you got into gaming and running a game business and starting up the game board. Absolutely. Um, my husband and I uh, got married in in 1992, and um, we we both enjoyed games, but uh, he was more a D and D player, and I my my experiences had all been like you know Twister and Monopoly and I had mm. no idea what else was out there. And uh, uh, life progresses and, and uh, my brother-in-law says to us one day, you should really try this new card game. Um, it's called Magic. And so we started playing Magic the Gathering and we enjoyed it immensely. And we played up until 1996 when our first son was born, in which case my husband continued, but um, I, of course, you know, parenting, parenting was important and diapers was more important than shuffling cards at this point in my I life. I understand that. Right? <laughs> and so I, my, my decks kind of got put to the side and um, we progressed forward here and, and now it's about the year 2000 and my son has been diagnosed with a severe speech delay. And one of the things he loved to do was watch dad play magic. And so one afternoon I get it in my head that I should like make him some sample decks, some magic decks. And he, he has a brother and a sister. So I make them sample decks. And that night they met dad at the front door and said, we're gonna play magic. And he was like, what? So they were just simple little starter decks with just colors and numbers, no word text, no flavor text. And um, the kids continue to play from that moment on. But the turning point was that I was working with speech therapists and they were showing me, once again, really lame games. And they wanted me to bring them home and play with my son and try and encourage his speech patterns to grow. And I realized that some of these things were just terrible. Like as, a, as an adult, I did not want to play this game. Mm -hmm. um, so at the time, my husband and I decided we'd go down to this conference. Uh, we were living in Wisconsin, we're still where we are now. And there was this little conference down in Milwaukee called Gen Con. <laughs> and uh, so one. we went, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, were, um, <laughs> we were technically going down to see a family friend of mine that was the special um, uh, author that year. That was Rick Knack. And we were going to go visit him. And while we were visiting Rick, um, we saw these 
really um, awesome games. And I, I probably stood in this one booth and it was Playroom Entertainment. I stayed in their booth for probably 20 minutes just trying out all these different games. And at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I need all four of these. And they're like, that's $30. And I just, I remember in my soul thinking, holy cow, $30, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I, I just thought, you know what? No, it's not, it's nothing if this really helps. And so I bought the $30 worth of games and I, I came home with them and continued to use these games, but I would take them back to the, the school situation and I would tell the, the ther therapist about all this. And the therapist was like, oh, well, what else have you got? And I'd go research some more games and bring them in. And, and it continued to grow. And between 2000 and 2005, I was bringing in games, sharing them with the teachers, the speech therapists, and helping develop my son's speech therapy in the home setting while he was still doing the work at school. And after a while, my husband said, you do understand you have a business. And I was like, what? No, I'm perfectly content to be a stay-at-home mom with three kids. And uh, he said, no, let's, let's look. And so this building went up on the market about two blocks from our house and he bought it and we started the store and I had no flipping clue what I was doing, but <laughs> it was the best thing in the world because I, my brother-in-law, he'd worked for um, Toys R Us for over 20 years. I've been a hairdresser for over 25. So I had retail experience. Um, I knew how to run a business sort of from that, you know, from that hairdressing standpoint. And my brother-in-law knew how to do stuff from um, Toys R Us standpoint and Borders Bookstore because he had ex he'd been working for 18 years at both locations at the same time, and so uh, he left Chicago and moved here, and we we opened the store, and here we are 10 years later. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's how we started this whole delving down the brain health avenue. I mean, selling games is so fun, right? It's just an incredibly fun thing to do. But I like when I one of my specialties that I like to do when I talk to other retailers is explain to them why it works so well for mass market, why it works so well for our school districts and and our education facilities, why it works so well for our senior centers and all the different aspects. And it's all because it all has a one thing in common. It's all about brain health. So by focusing everything back into we're just making stronger, better humans by playing for the health of it, playing for fun. Um, and that's our tagline, playing for the health of it, um, that this is what we can do. We can create a better world. So you're on a mission. I, I didn't even mean to be, but yeah, yeah. I kind of started a ministry and I didn't even realize <laughs> it. That's what my, my, uh, my, my priest said to me once. He's like, it's like you, you do realize you have a ministry, right? And I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah, I guess I really do. It doesn't really have to do with a religion. It has to do with a, a sense of being in a community and growing a community. Yeah, and creating a positive impact on the world and healing, yeah. healing in a sense. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's helped. I mean, hugely, Eric, uh, Eric was diagnosed the first year after we opened with um, a neurological writing disorder, which is called dysgraphia. And most people have heard of dyslexia, where the words swim. Mm -hmm. But dysgraphia is the written format of this. So um, the words go into his ears, right? But the teacher's talking to him, telling him to take notes. But when his hand goes to write things, um, what is being written on the page um, is getting messed up. It's, it's sometimes there's words in the middle of a sentence. There's punctuation that's all off in vocabulary and, and, and being able to spell correctly is just, it's, it's an impossible task because that neurological pathway is just really screwed up. Um, but 
uh, he has an incredible memory because he can't trust his hand to write the right thing. Um, and really what kind of happens for him is if he writes notes out by hand, he has to wait about 30 minutes later, go back and really look them over and then fix everything that he thinks is wrong and hope that he's correct. Well, how can you get through college? How can you get through high school? Like yeah, that, for sure. right? You can't trust yourself. Um, and so he really, we worked with the school district and they were incredibly supportive of him. Um, the teachers had to give him, um, you know, like a, an outline or information um, beforehand while, while he's sitting there. And then he can use a computer or laptop to continue to take notes. That somehow that using a keyboard helps to make it easier. He has less mistakes um, and he can have some uh, programs that he can have the things being read back to his ear so he can hear it right away to see if he's made a mistake. Um, but it's, this is a lifelong challenge for him. Um, but in, in the journey, he continues to play board games and card games and helps rebuild all those neurological pathways by using the card games and board games, which are helping him um, trust himself. I mean, he's not having to worry about his hand so much, but he's continually increasing his brain capacity, his memory, his critical thinking skills. And he's his sophomore year of college, he's working on an IT networking degree and possibly going into web design. And, um, he's doing great. Like he's, he's in a regular classroom with regular people. He always has been. He's never, ever, ever been taken out of the regular classrooms. And we're really incredibly proud of being able to do that, not just with Eric, but also with all the other kids in our community, really trying to work with our autistic kids and using the games as vehicles to help integrate the brain health aspect and get them back into that social climate so that they're having success. That's, that's very impressive. Well, thanks. I, yeah, and it just happened. Like, it wasn't my goal, right? Yeah, I don't you just have noticed a that right. your child needed something, you figured I, out a way to provide it, and yeah. went from there. And I, I, we have a great superintendent here at Sheboygan Area School District. Um, Joe Sheehan is just amazing. And he and I met one day, and I said, I really kind of, I feel kind of like a fake because I don't have a teaching degree. And everybody keeps coming in and asking me if I have a teaching degree. I have a theater degree, I have an acting degree. And I, he laughed and he said, Lynn, you, you, have a, you have the better degree. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you have a mommy degree and that weighs heavier. And I'm like, wow, thank you. So he gave me a lot of confidence early on to like really be, be sure of myself and to step up to a teacher and say, you may have this piece of paper behind you, but I have this and we're going to work together to create better. And if you teach me, I'll teach you and we're going to make a better kid. And in doing so, we can make a lot better kids. And it, it's, I have a huge conglomeration of teachers in this town who have just been amazing supporters of what we do here and respectful supporters of the fact that our, our staff is trained in empathy training for our uh, work with dementia customers. We have, um, we work with, um, <clears throat> we work individually trying to do research privately at home about brain health. And they're always, my staff's always bringing in new ideas and new suggestions. And last October, we hired on um, a retired teacher from our school district. And she came on board and she's running with all sorts of wonderful ideas and um, summer school programs that we can run and, and other things. And, and it's just, it's amazing the, the group that we've gathered together. That's fantastic. That's pretty cool. That's, that's a, a very interesting path towards running a, a local game store. That's not right? usually how it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's not the norm. No, for sure. It's not something that just happens. And, and it's one of the reasons why I, um, I volunteer my skills um, worldwide to, I, I'm open to having any um, retailer or, or anybody with a concern, a, per, a personal problem in their kids' lives to give me a call. I'll, I'll take an hour or two out of my day and have a conversation and, and try to give some, you know, suggestions and, and encouragement and, and try and do some training with people because I do feel like it is a huge um, future for our, our industry. Our industry is changing so much. We used to be just the gaming industry and the toy industry. And more and more, these two areas are starting to, to blend together. They're kind of graying in between. And, and you know, our, our, the gaming, the hobby industry, you know, it's usually based upon the hardcore players who come into your store and they play games, they buy stuff and they leave. And there's a lot of money that comes to the door, they play magic, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they're not building a new community. They're, they're depending on the community that's already been integrated, that, that already exists. And you can't have a future. An industry can't have a future that way. You have to build it from the ground up. And that means we need to work with our kids. We need to work with our kindergartners and teach them that by playing a board game, a tabletop board game, and if they go home and they play with their grandparents, they're not only helping themselves brain-wise, but they're also helping their grandparents. Because we have a huge conglomeration of people who are going to go through the silver tsunami that's about to happen. And we're going to have all these people who are leaving the workforce with the, the baby boomers, and they're going to be hitting a, a wall, and a lot of them are going to be coming down it with dementia. It's going to be a ginormous equation that's about to happen in our industry. And these, we have, we're looking by 2020, in Sheboygan County alone, having 12, I think it's 12,000 individuals with dementia being diagnosed. That's, that's, that's huge. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, and we only have like you know, 50,000 people just in our city and close to a million, I think, in our county. So um, please don't quote me on that. But we, you know, we, that's a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be stressed with not having their, uh, their brain is going to be, in some ways, I, I don't want to say stop functioning, but you know, you're, when you but work failing. and, well, and yeah, failing, because when you work, you are doing resource management. You're, continually challenging yourself to new things. You have to learn how to make these rules apply to these things that you're doing in the workplace, right? But then you stop working mm -hmm. and you come home and what do you do? There's nothing going on. There, there's no longer challenges. And now you're not challenging yourself. And, and by playing board games, we challenge ourselves. That's what we do every day. That's why, that's why our millennial group of people love to play board games and card games because it's like work, but it's fun. They, they're doing resource management. They're coming home. They're challenging themselves to be brighter thinkers. And it's, it's, a, it's just an amazing um, piece when you start to see it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I definitely agree with that. that. That's one of the things that I've always noticed as a magic player myself. I've made a lot of really good, like smart friends playing the game. Yes. And I was like, it, you know, you can't be a... Uh, you, not, it's not just relegated to competitive playing, but yeah. you can't... Like as board gamers, as card gamers, you know, it, it takes a certain, a lot, or it attracts a certain kind of people and yeah. it, it, it keeps you sharp. Like there's, yeah. there's no other way, real way to put it. It's, and, and it's not just for, because there is such a, a thing that like, oh, only smart people play games. You can become a smarter person yeah. by playing games, which is the part that I think we forget. It, you know, it's easy to be kind of a slothful learner. And just let the information come in and then you produce it out and you don't really retain. Um, and by 
by playing a game, you, you it's on you. You have to immediately perform and you have to learn. And for a lot of us, we're slower because we've never had to do those skill sets. And now we're learning these skill sets. It's like, oh, this is so cool. I can, I can develop more. And my, my sons, you know, because they've all been there, they play magic. My daughter plays magic. Um, and my husband, we're all big magic players. But to me, magic is, um, it's become so huge. I can't remember all the things that I have to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I define it or I describe it in my, my store when parents come in and they're like, oh, I have no idea what my kids are doing. I said, your children are doing chemistry and math chemistry by you see all these different cards these are all different chemicals and they're putting them together and making chemical equations they're creating a brand new bond and they're making this whole thing happen and math because of course you know richard garfield was a math professor a genius and mm-hmm. he created this mathematical game that it just goes on and on and on and, and so there's all this math there's all this science going on and your children are playing it and just because you don't recognize the fantasy world they're in doesn't make it less beneficial to their mental state. And when parents look at it that way, they, oh my goodness, how do I learn how to play this? <laughs> yeah. Let's start with a really simple sample deck. <laughs> we, yeah. do a, we do a program in our store called Mom and Me Magic. And our, our younger kids are encouraged to bring their moms in and then everybody gets a sample deck and um, they play against each other in the two-headed giants, child and parent. And they play against another child and parent. But the key is that if the kid wants to give um, advice to their parent, they have to sacrifice a permanent on their side of the board. So they, well, it makes so that they have to keep their mouths shut and let mom or dad <laughs> try and figure out what they're doing. And then at the same time, though, it might be that the, the, the win is going to be so good. They're willing to give the win to their parent. And, and so now we're team building. Because now the, the child is sacrificing their own knowledge, their own abilities, not to be the, the, the knight in shining armor, but to allow the parent to be the knight in shine, shining armor and win the day. So there's a lot of team building going on in that aspect also of playing it this way. And <clears throat> we found a huge success. We've, we found that many of our parents, after they play this way, like, oh, I am totally buying a new deck. I got to play again. They love that, you know? And so what a great way to get the entire family involved in playing. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think that's really interesting. Maybe once my son's a little bit older, right. I'm, I'm excited to maybe, maybe we'll try this out with him. He's and, uh, two. Let's get him going. Yeah. Almost. If he's, you know, he's at the stage where he's going to like just tear the card in half or something just to right. see what it, what it would feel like. Chew on it. But once he's a little bit more uh, comfortable with that and he doesn't want to just rip them apart maybe we'll give him a shot you're not gonna give him a mox and let him chew on it no probably not probably not not yet anyways yeah that's next week yeah i think it's a great way to frame games to people who maybe never really dived into it right like uh you were saying how before you got into what you're doing now the kinds of games that were recommended to you were like monopoly and that kind of the stuff that everyone plays that nobody likes because they're not very good right realistically but uh yeah people don't even realize the world of board games as it is now and how deep and complex they are well and and our future you know our past life it's not that monopoly is a bad game so please don't anybody crucify me for this monopoly was a good game because we had good memories people who were successful playing monopoly love monopoly because they have great memories of monopoly people Mm -hmm. who hate monopoly never want to touch it 
had bad memories of Monopoly. And really, when you explain to people mm -hmm. that the reason they loved or hate board games and card games, tabletop games as a child, is because of their memories, and they can disconnect from that and come back and try and build new memories with new people and have new experiences, they're able to disconnect from that bad and come into something that's really, really good and engaging for them. Um, and, and so there's nothing wrong with Monopoly necessarily, but it's, it's just so um, luck-based and luck-driven that for a lot of people, they have no control. And that's really not how our lives are run. I mean, yeah. we don't walk out, we're not cavemen. We don't walk out into the middle of the, the, the prairie and roll the dice and hope the saber-toothed tiger doesn't run us over. I, we have control, we have fire, we have, we have weapons. We, so we've gained control. And that's really what our, how our life has evolved and how we've become better at human beings. And so consequently, that's how our games have to evolve because it is a, a huge component of why we game is because we want control and we want to be in charge of what's going to happen at the table. For sure, for sure. Um, right, I right. wasn't trying to. I don't want to knock Monopoly. Like that's oh, no, a no, game no. that I, I grew up playing I, as well. But, no, no, no. And I knew you weren't, but I was afraid I was sounding like I was going <laughs> to knocking Monopoly, and yeah. I don't want to do that either. It's fair. Um, like uh, a game I will knock though is Candyland. Well, yeah, right. Okay, so okay. or I, shoots and ladders, or, or right. of that kind of variety, right? Like any and, game that's called a game, but there's no choice involved. You're just rolling dice and right. doing whatever the dice say. I don't. That's not a game. That's an yeah. activity. Yes, that's, it's, it's an different. Activity. Right. So. I worked with a, a, a classroom this week. Um, Ideas Academy is a high school, but it's a charter school here in town. They, they're doing a whole program on, on designing games. And so they had me come in. So cool. And, yeah, it is. It's so cool. And so they came, I got to come in and I got to see each of the kids' games. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited because there's, there's like a, a bunch of brilliant ideas out there. Um, and one of them was um, one of the kids had, he was starting the idea of working with Candyland. And um, he like he was he was toying with it, but he was like really 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 early stages, and I looked at him and he like was apologizing, and I said, "No, you've got to own Candyland." I said, "If you're going to do Candyland, that's fine, but you need to own it." I and he he was talking about recreating the mechanism of the landscape, and I said, "No, no, no! Why use the landscape? If you were literally walking through a molasses swamp, what would be your problems?" And he was like, "Oh." Oh, like then he started to like realize how he could use parts of this candy land and make things happen because of that. And I'm like, okay, now great. Now you're owning it. This is okay. Now add a component where you're in charge and where you can change things. You can build something or you can make something out of what you've got around you. And he, he's like, oh, yes. Okay. I can do that. And I, because don't get me wrong. Candy land sucks. <laughs> the kid is like, Okay. I said, but own it when you're doing it. It's okay. You can own it. So I'm, I'm super excited because next week, hopefully we get a chance to go back and, and see what's going to eventually happen is the, um, some of the games will fall away. And then some of these guys are going to, uh, and ladies, they'll all team up and they're going to create a bigger and better game as a team mm -hmm. and do the marketing and the design and, and all this as a, as a team. And I'm, I'm, oh gosh. So it's a great class. It's Mike Hanlon is the teacher here and he, he's doing an amazing job with it. So I, I'm really pleased to be a part of it. Yeah. That, that sounds fantastic. Awesome. Like, right? yeah. I, like I wish I had that in my high school when I was still in school. Cause like that used to be me. Uh, that used to be my hobby. I would design games and I like, I would play games that I created with my friends on nice, lunch yeah. break. And like, there was no game design class. There was no like formal study for it. So it was the thing I always wanted to do when I was younger. So that yeah. sounds like, yeah, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm jealous of these kids in this high school now. <laughs> 
<laughs> you should be jealous of me because I get to work with them. Yeah, jealous of you. That sounds that sounds great. That's really cool. Well, you'll just have to come down here and visit us. We're all we're all about our Canadian neighbors. You can just come visit. That sounds pretty good to me. Move Sorry. on from the games. It's okay. 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 Let's oh, let's talk about that rental program that you uh, you mentioned before. So oh yeah, let's just for people who have no idea what you're talking about, let's start at the very beginning. Sure. Absolutely. So we opened the store in 2006, and of course we have that whole recession thing in 2008, 2009. And um, I, I know you're going to ask me later about a mistake I made, but I'm going to throw it in here right right now. Sure. Is that good? Yeah, go for so, it. So so you talked to me about you know did I ever feel like I made a mistake? And and in 2006 when we decided to buy the building that we put the game board into, um, my husband and I. Um, refinanced our house uh, because the equity had gone up really well and we refinanced our house and bought this other property and so I owned the property and I think that was not a mistake I think that was a great plan because 2008 right is our recession and um, people were losing their businesses and everything and here we were really stable because we owned it and I didn't have my rent going up or anything. I was in control of it. So that was my big success at that point. And now you're going to have to remind me where I was going with this. What was the question? <laughs> we were originally going to talk about your rental program. That yes. Was, okay. So that's how the, was. yeah, thank you. That's how this goes <laughs> in. So, um, so then in 2008, we, we have this whole recession thing and um, things are starting to, I don't know that we ever got a dip in our sales. We just kind of stagnated. We, we kind of stayed the same. And in 2009, um, my, my staff member, Kevin, and I were standing in the store and Kevin and I were like debating how we could really help ourselves moving forward. And we'd rearranged some stuff because we only have a thousand square feet. And um, we looked at this one wall and it had a bunch of our demo copies of it on it. And I said, Kevin, I'm really, I never want to stop demoing games, but this entire wall is making me no money it makes us nothing and he's like yeah i know and i said i think we should start renting our games and he's like what and i'm like we should rent our games and he's like well if we did that like if we did it for 10 percent, and then we made it a credit towards the purchase like we could really do this and so we started messing around with this whole program and we just decided to run with it we just try it and and we started asking people in the industry like what they thought and if this would work and mm -hmm. Um, the first eight people told me I was absolutely insane and no way this could ever go and all the reasons why. And I looked Pretty at typical. Kevin, right. And I looked at Kevin and Kevin looked at me and we both said they're wrong. And I'm like, yeah, if anybody can make it successful, at least here in Sheboygan, we'll try. So we decided to shut our mouths and just do it. And we've not turning back. I mean, we had 55% growth in our rental program last year, wow. 55. Now, it has transpired into huge sales. Um, we have people who rent games because they want to take them all for their wedding and have them at their um, at their their wedding reception. Um, cool we have, right. We have teachers who rent games for the classroom. We have big brothers and big sisters. They come and they rent a game for lunchtime so that they can take it with their their littles and have lunch with them. Um, we have a program that we're just starting with our um, Bigs in Blue, which is our police force here in Sheboygan. And our Bigs in Blue are going to be coming in and playing with the kids and renting some of the games and taking them home and using them with their neighbors. Um, and do, we're going to be doing some training with them and teaching them um, how to use games to better our community. So by using this rental program, I um, 
I, I, I decided that we could really stop worrying about selling so hard because I hate selling. I think it's like the worst <laughs> thing in the world. I don't want to have to sell anybody in game because I know for a fact that your game is, my game is good. It's whether or not you like it. And so I'm going to use an analogy that I use in my store a lot. And like all the men are going to blush at this, but it's really true. So I have, I have men who will come in and they'll ask me, oh, I need to get a game tonight for my wife and I to play. So what would you like to recommend? And I'm like, that's all I get to go on? Like, seriously, your wife, that's it. I get to look at you now and make a couple decisions based upon the way you look, the way you act, right? But I'm now yeah. supposed to make this decision for you. So I always use the analogy, would you, sir, go into the store and buy your wife a bra? No. Then why would I? Oh, that is how personal our choices in games have become. Mm. We have mechanics. We have, we have customizations. We have um, stylizations in, in themes and thematics. I, it's like buying a bra. So I decided what we should do is by renting the game, I no longer, so I have a customer comes in, they want me to recommend some games. So I now recommend three to four games. And then when they're trying to decide which one to buy, I ask them not to purchase it and instead to rent it. And we, we tell every one of our customers, you know about our rental, you've been here before, right? Oh yeah, I've been here before. Well, then you know about our rental program. That's always the next sense. Then you know about our rental program in case they don't. Mm. And, and there's, oh, wait, yeah, I forgot I could do that. Oh, sure, go ahead, let's go ahead and rent one today. Because it's a credit towards the purchase of that same game. And now when you, you come into a store and you want to buy a $50 game, and you, you're instead taking it out for $5 tonight for renting overnight, just one night, five bucks. And it's a credit towards your purchase. So you go home to your family and you play the game and your family loves it, right? And now you have to return it. Now your family's like, what? It goes away. And now you, you can be well the hero, back. right? You're the hero. Cause now it's only $45 and your family loved it. What if they didn't, what if you'd spent $50 and now your family's like, this game sucks. Now you've made a bad decision. I've made a bad decision as a, as a salesperson, you hate me because your wife and your husband are never going to hate you. They're only going to hate me because I talked you into something. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I'm no longer talking you into anything. I'm talking you out of things. In fact, like, oh, I don't know if you're going to really like Mystic Vale. It's a great game, but it's really involved. And you've only ever played Monopoly. I don't think we should probably go there right now. Oh, but I played Settlers of Catan. Okay, yes, that is a good step in that direction. But I will tell you that Mystic Vale was a challenge for me. And I've been playing games competitively since 92. And then, oh, okay, maybe that's not what I want to do right now. Yeah, let's, let's rent Mystic Vale. And then let me know how you liked it. Okay. It, it, it makes... So that the story that we're building is a, a great fairy tale with a happy Disney ending, as opposed to that, oh, dear goodness, you know, let's not talk about Fight Club moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like that, that, I really like that, that there's two things to the, to me that stands out there. You're lowering the barrier, the barrier to entry for these yeah. people. Like you're saying, okay, you don't need to pony up the 50 to $60 for some of these really expensive board games, right? There's right. production value has gone way up in the past couple of years. So. Uh, you're not making this big investment into something right. that you have no idea whether or not you're going to like it, right? right? You need to try before you buy and then makes it easier for you to buy. So, and then the second thing is that you, like you said, you're, you're uh, building a story for them to be the hero, which is a really, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a really Cute. good way to sell games. Right. 
without and, selling well, it. And one of the things is we never rent anything other than a base game. So you don't do the expansions? Never. Never do an expansion. We never do it. And the reason being, you've already played the base game. You obviously like it. Now you can buy the expansion. Now it's a, it's a hook. It's a fishing moment mm -hmm. of like, hmm, here you go. You tried this. Now, now you can add more. This is what you should try, you know? And it, it, it's made, um, it's, it's been exciting. Oh, you, okay. So I remembered one of my favorite stories. Okay, good. So we, we were talking earlier and you asked me for a favorite and I told you I don't really have favorites, but I do have a favorite story and I just remembered it. Okay. So we had, um, it's my rental story. So um, we had a gentleman stop in. This is when, um, oh, darn it all. I can't remember. Uh, uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse had just come out. Sentinels of the Multiverse. So this is like a, two years ago, I think. Okay. And um, it's a card building game. And or, or a card, or it, it's a almost deck building-ish like. And uh, we had a customer come in and they wanted to, buy it. And I said, well, you, you know, are you using it for a game event this weekend? Yeah. I got three buddies coming in. I said, well, we'll just rent it overnight. It's like, oh, well, good idea. We'll rent it. So they rented it. He, he rented it. It was him alone. And I'm, and we're not open on Sunday. So when you rent on a Saturday, you get it till Monday for the one price. Once again, we're the heroes, right? And uh, so on Monday in walks this guy and he's like, oh, that was amazing. I have to own this. So he goes over to the shelf, pulls a copy down. He buys it. We give him his credit. He leaves. Everything's great. 20 minutes later, the door opens and in comes this guy. And he's like, um, do you guys have um, Sentinels of the Multiverse? And I'm like, yeah, we do. And I start to show it to him. And I said, did you play this weekend with Jeff at his house? And he's like, yeah. How did you know that? And I said, well, just purely letting you know transparency here jeff just came and bought the game so if you're buying it like to surprise him or like your game group already has a copy now i'm just letting you know and he's like oh thank you so much you know what though i really want my own copy awesome so he buys his copy at full price right so he leaves no joke 35 minutes later in walks another guy and he's like, I'm looking for Sentinels of the Multiverse. I played it this weekend with my buddies. And I'm like, no way. You know Jeff and Dave? And he's like, how do you know them? I said, well, they were just in this morning. They bought both of our copies. We only had two copies on the shelf. They're, they're gone. We're sold out. Oh. And he's like, oh. And I said, I can order it for you. I said, but you know there's this expansion just came out. Would you like to look at that? And he's like, yeah. He bought the expansion and ordered the base game. So that's my favorite story. And, and that happens all the time. All the time. We have people who have never been to our store, but their friends bring a game and they've rented it. And now they come back to our store because they found out that we rent games. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So there you go. I do have a favorite story. I should mark that in my calendar. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I do have one question though. Is, uh, Absolutely. How, much, uh, how many of the people who rent come back to buy the game? Like, do you know like roughly what it translates to? To, yeah, actually, buyers? yeah, actually, um, we started doing that demographic last year. Um, and I, you know, I didn't expect you to ask me this question, so I don't have it in front of me. That's okay. But um, I mean, but yeah, in the ballpark, I would say probably we're probably at 75%. Wow. And, and the only reason why we're not the other 25 is because they never would have bought anyways. 
Mm. These are people, though, we have a huge demographic of people who don't actually want to own a game at their house for varied reasons. One, they don't have enough st you know, space to store it. Um, two, their kids are growing so fast that they don't want to invest in something that their kids are going to outgrow in the next two months. So they'd rather just keep coming in and renting. And they do it all the time. We have, we have families that come in every weekend and rent a game or two to play with their family, for, with their kids as they're growing. Um, we have people who just rent it for occasions like a wedding or uh, there's a gathering, a family reunion, and they wanted to just have games for that thing. They'll eventually buy maybe one or two things or their family members do, but we don't know if those, because those people weren't, um, weren't the original renters anyways. So who knows what the other, because our other sales have continued to rise hugely. I mean, our board game area is, is really um, probably, probably just as strong as our collectible leg of our business. Wow. Our rentals. Yeah. And our, yeah. So, so by using, you know, a rental, a you know, the collectibles model, the rental and the board games, you know, we've got a pretty strong stool going on. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if magic has a bad month, well, the other two don't, they, they're pretty sturdy. And um, independent. And independent of each other. Yeah. And, and be, oh, and because we do rent, we, we focus a lot when people are not, when they're getting ready to play magic, we'll put out a board game and we'll show our players. And we've transitioned a lot of our board, our, a lot of our magic players into being board game players also. Mm -hmm. And because they could rent, they didn't feel like they had to like take some of their magic money away. They could rent a couple games and still have that enjoyment. So they may not be the people who are going to invest in a $50 game every month, but that's because they're investing 500 in magic. So who am I to argue with $5 in uh, rent? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one other follow-up question. Uh, yeah. Do you ever have uh, issues with like damage to the game when people rent it? You know, that is one of the best. Uh, yeah, I travel and uh, give this, I give a seminar about this worldwide and um one of, that's one of my favorites my favorite questions um because that is a consistent concern and the mm. point that i bring up across is that they're all board game players they don't want to damage it because it's yours and so they're being really really cautious um i i also get the question of like do you sleeve your cards do you improve your base game your demo as it's going out so that it doesn't get damaged as easily. And my answer is never, don't ever sleeve before you rent. Um, don't ever enhance it by putting in some special box that's gonna keep it in order. I mean, sometimes, you know, you add bags, obviously, you know, little Ziploc bags, but the reason being is because you, when your customer goes to open their game and own their game, you don't want them disappointed mm -hmm. that it didn't look exactly like this when they got it. Um, they'll be more, they'll be happier when their cards aren't used you know now their copies brand new and sparkly and your copy has been loved well a loved copy actually shows how much it's been rented also um obviously if, if things you know get destroyed because a dog eats a card you know we we replace it and we do have replacement pieces from other games that have you know had something gone wrong but typically um, because we're using them in our store anyways, that's the same kind of use. I mean, that's the same kind of wear and tear on the game. It's, 
it's the same. So we've never had a problem. We had one renter where, where they didn't return a game um, and we had to go after them. And actually it turned out to be a cultural issue. Um, the individual wasn't aware of, because of their culture, they thought that they'd made a huge mistake and that they were going to be put in jail for not oh. returning a game. And we were like, no, we just want you to pay for the darn game. <laughs> and they did, they came back and they paid for it. But, um, and they were embarrassed. And we told, you know, the person actually sent their, their child in, their adult child in to, to um, fix the situation. And the adult child was very apologetic and the adult child changed um, the, the, the name on the account over to his name. And we've maintained him as a customer all these years later because we were understanding that the cultural difference for his parent was um, something that was the mistake, not, you know, yeah, it wasn't malicious. They weren't trying yeah, it to steal malicious. it. They were just like, uh, yeah. they got afraid we, something happened and yeah. Yeah. And they go, ah, oh no. So Panic. yeah, we've, yeah. So, so as, as far as malicious acts on our games, no, uh, we had a, we had a gentleman come in recently. He had a, he'd rented Dr. Eureka and, um, he came in, he had spent, I swear, he probably spent an hour trying to retape the front of the box back together. And honestly, he'd done such a good job when he put the box down and I looked down at it, I didn't even notice that there was anything wrong. But he told me that his dog had chewed the front part of the box off. And I said, oh, well, are the, all the pieces inside still good? And I opened it up and he's like, yeah, everything's fine. It's just that my dog chewed the box. So I think I owe you a, a, a donate, I owe you a demo copy. And I, I said, no, it's all good. Just like, because, you know, when you give back mm. to your community and you're like, no, it's all, it's okay. It, it, you're once again, the hero, you're the hero. And so everybody's like, oh, they're so kind about it. Yeah. Because in the end of the day, I just want them to want to come in and rent more games. And the more they rent them, the happier they are with me, the more they'll do. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, obviously if somebody's, done something bad to a game and it's malicious or they've lost, you know, half of my ticket to ride tickets because they weren't paying attention and they're around the house. Yes. Now you own that copy. And I've done that, you know, here, here you go. You have the demo copy. That's not whole yeah. any longer because the pieces are in your home. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I get a brand new shiny piece, but for the most part, we, you know, we've been doing this since 2009. So that's eight years. And we've, we've knock on wood been very very lucky or no not lucky we're very blessed with a great community that really mm -hmm. respects what we do and, and is and is positive i think that's probably the key component right there that they respect the way that you do business yeah. because you respect the way they you know yes. they are part of your community so it's yeah. the, the back and forth mutual respect thing that kind of keeps your stuff safe i think yeah yeah we've actually you know when when we opened um we we live in a a, a neighborhood that's um, some people would consider it you know a little more rentals in that area. Um, so we're in the houses, but we're across the street from a grocery store and a pet store, and so we're in a, just kind of a little conglomeration right there. And um, one night, apparently, we had a individual tried to um, spray paint the side of our building. Mm -hmm. right after we had opened and the next day i didn't know about it because there was no markings there was no taggings on her building the next day the mom who had been walking through the parking lot with her stroller and her kids who took on these four teenagers <laughs> came in and said 
I told them that they better not do that because this is our our neighborhood store and they're not to mess with it. And that's been the that's been the the thing that everybody around here has done is they've been very supportive and encouraging that our our store is here for them, so they're here for our store. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. That's <laughs> yeah. great having somebody stand up for your store that right? you didn't realize. Especially, get away from that wall. Yeah, especially when it's like four teenagers and a mom with a bunch of kids in a stroller. Usually they're going the other direction because they're like, oh, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes all you have to do is turn on that uh, the parent yes. voice and be like, what are you kids doing? Right? Yeah. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> get out of my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn, kids. Yeah. <laughs> So this might be a related question. And so since we just talked sure. about this, uh, what excites you about working in the game business? Oh my gosh, my, I love every single one of the people that walks through my store. Like I, I literally, my, <laughs> my customers will tell you, oh, here she comes, she's gonna hug you. Um, <laughs> but I do, I tell all my adults, kids, whatever. I tell them I love them, I give them hugs. I, I, I genuinely at the end of the day i mean when when in, in 10 years obviously we've had funerals and we've been to funerals and weddings and i think that's kind of a common thing that happens for a lot of our game stores is we we get attached to our clientele and mm-hmm. it's personal it's our family um but this is even more so because i like you know you, you become you kind of start to feel like like you're you're a rock star and you're really not, you know, you, but, but when you walk into a school and you have all the teens going, Oh my God, Lynn's here. Lynn, why are you on our turf? What are you doing here? It's such a great feeling. It's such a great feeling that I am important to them. And wow, you're so important to me. Every one of them is so important to me. Um, one of my, one of our really good uh, magic players, uh, he's, he's getting his Eagle Scout badge. And he asked me if he could invite me to his Eagle Scout. I'm like, yes, I want to go to your Eagle Scout concert. That is awesome. Like weddings, funerals, I'm there. I, it, it's an amazing realization that you're important in their life and they're important in your life and it's genuine. I mean, that's, that's the part that I love. I love getting to be, I don't like to be the parent who has to tell you, you know what, your deodorant fell off, you know, stop partway through the day. You need to go home and take care of that. That's not my favorite part of the job, though I do it. You know, mm. I'll, I'll tell the customer, eh, you know, I know gym class is a little hard today. Can you go home, take a shower really quick, come back? We really want you here. Um, and I'm the parent, I'm that parent employer who says, eh, language, gentlemen, no, no, language. But I also empower all my staff and all my customers um, that if they're uncomfortable with those things, they should speak up too. And because of that, I don't have to be as strong of a, a bad, you know, finger wagging mommy figure. I can be mm-hmm. more the hugging, loving, and ooh, you know what? I hugged you today, but whoa, somebody's deodorant wore off. Can you just go take care of that? Oh, sure. Yeah. And they're out, they come back. It, it probably doesn't hurt that I have fragrance allergies too. Mm. So a lot of my, most of my clientele knows I have fragrance allergies. So it means that I have to have an allergy pill to be able to like be amongst people with, you know, deodorants and such. But it also means that they're all really cautious about how much cologne they put on. So they're very, they're, they're more concerned with like, they'll come in freshly showered and not add more stuff to it to make sure that I can hang out and, and not have to have a, yeah, I breathe. Breathing is good. Yeah, it does help. It Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. It's cold up here, you know, breathing. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's. 
That's a great answer. That's probably one of the best answers I've ever heard. Oh, well, good. Yay, I win. What do I get? <laughs> uh, digital high five. How about Woo! That? Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's do the flip side. You left me hanging. I'm waiting on it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay, I'll good. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's do the flip side of this. You know, this is the what excites you. Let's kind of like go, you know, towards the other end. Like, was there ever a moment that you wanted to uh, to walk away? To, no, yeah. There was never a time where you were there like wasn't. low points. Yeah. Even no. during the recession. No, even during the recession. I, I think it's because I went into this feeling like, um, if it if it didn't work the way I wanted it to work, I was not about to kiss the butt of the devil and do that. So I was, yeah, I didn't use the A word because if anybody in my store hears me say that, they'll be mad at me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I really kind of felt like I, I was winning if I didn't, I was winning if I didn't. So awesome. yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I, now, now though, because remember I own this building and it's a thousand square feet and we've outgrown it immensely. Like five years ago, we outgrew it, but mm -hmm. we were still trying to gather wind to get up. Now, um, you know, I've had to go through the whole, hey, by the way, oh, sweetie, you own a game store um, <clears throat> gambit of crap. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of misogyny in not just our industry, because it's, it's, it's really not in our industry so much anymore. It's really gotten so much better. Mm -hmm. But in the banking industries or in the world in general, and when you're, you know, a female game store owner, a sole proprietor, having to go to a bank and saying, hey, I really want to increase this. And this is what I do for the community. And they give you the no joke. I've had the, oh, sweetie, that's that's nice. You own a store. Yeah, that's so and, sweet. Yeah. That's and I just, I'm like, no, I don't. I, yeah, I'm not playing with little kids all day long. I literally am changing their brain health. Are you kidding me? But, oh, well, you don't have an education. So, you know, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so no, those, that... are, those are my angry moments. But right now we have a great bank. And they are supporting of our growth. They love the idea of what we're doing. They're encouraging. Um, we're looking at new buildings. We're we're just trying to make the right decision for us because we don't want to have to move again. We really for want sure. this to be our next boom, and and kind of this is where we're going to end up. And and it's exhausting. I mean, I didn't. I started this business and I was um, forty years old. And my sister had died of breast cancer eight years before that. And I thought that my life was going to be over by the time I was 41 because she died at 41. And I just assumed that I would never get to see my kids grow up. I'd never get to see what was happening in my community. And I'd been kind of a, in this slump for all these years. And my husband, when he said, let's do this, I he kind of saved my life. I mean, he, he helped me grow and change and he empowered me to be a strong woman and to believe in myself. And I mean, he's, he's really been the, the silent partner. We always joke that in our industry, I'm not the owner. We take on chess names. So like Kevin, who's been with me, my brother-in-law since the beginning, he's the bishop. He's my, he's my religious entity. You know, he's got that, he gives me my spiritual growth. Um, I'm, I'm the queen. I'm the queen. And my husband always jokes that he's the king. He's fundamentally useless, but without him, we lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's great, though, because he empowered me to be the queen. And he empowered me to go out there and talk to contractors. And when I wanted to run back home at night and say, can you just talk to them? He'd say, no, I can't. You have to do it. 
you've got to do it because if they're not going to work with you now, they're not going to work with you later. And I want mm -hmm. them to respect who you are. And I still have the same contractors that I did from 10 years ago when I hired them. They are still my same contractors. And I believe 100% in each one of them. And they respect everything that I say. And when I, when I say, you know, I think there's an electrical problem going on, which is what happened in, in December. My electrician came out and he opened everything up and he showed me. He's like, here, come here. Yeah, you're right. Look at this and this and this. And I'm like, ah, oh, let's do it. And he's like, Lynn, it's going to be pretty expensive. I'm like, no, it's not. I just spent 450 for a new furnace piece for the third time. Are you kidding me? Let's do this. He's like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, the respect of, of me understanding what's going on in our quote unquote game at the game board mm -hmm. and, and, and building it and building it for all the right reasons. My community is so supportive. And when they hear, you know, me having a hard time because somebody in the city isn't supporting what I'm doing, um, they're the first ones to stand up and say, mm -mm, I don't think so. No. Like you guys, you guys need to really focus back and I'm so blessed because because of what I've done in this industry I and working with our I work so closely with our chamber I decided years ago that I should really make a name for myself here in, in Sheboygan and so I joined our chamber I became very um, active in our chamber and and I'm blessed because we have a great chamber I mean like their their motto is better together and it's so true I mean our chamber is is a super entity to work with and because of all the the aspects of that. I am on a first name basis with Glenn Grothman, who's our congressman. I, I know him because he's comes to our chamber things and he, he asks me how my business is doing. And, uh, you know, we know people who are in the manufacturing level and they're CEOs of companies and they're like, hey, how's the game board going? That's a pretty cool feeling. Uh -huh. And when you realize that you have people in your community who support what you're doing because of how you're doing it, you might be a little game store with only a thousand square feet, but you, you built great big shoes. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a down and it's an up all at the same time. I'd like to make a positive out of negative stuff. So <laughs> another good answer. Another right. Good answer. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. It's okay. No, that's fine. That's... He's like, you know, we were only going to talk for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes it's happened. I've had shows go for like two hours. We're like, oh yeah, we'll, really? we'll just do a nice uh, short, short thing. And then just the conversation just keeps going. Right? And it's just good stuff the whole time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <laughs> we're going to have to like cut this one a little bit short. So I, know, I would like I'm to sorry, just keep sorry. talking forever, but I want to get to this last question. And it, like sure. I mentioned before, this is the question that I ask pretty much everybody who comes on the show sure. because everyone's definition is a little bit different. And I want to know, what it feels like for you. So what is, or what does success look like to you in terms of your business and your life? You know, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an empathic person. I'm an emotional person. Um, I can tell you honestly that success for me is knowing that at the end of the day, if I were to die of breast cancer, my community is better because I was here. And that's, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a reality in my life is that, you know, I, I live every day wondering. Um, actually, I don't. I, I live every day because I have great doctors who say, you're not gonna, because we're not gonna let you pay attention to that. So hmm. I live my life knowing that it's a positive and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna succeed and I'm gonna live till I'm, 105 and I'm going to piss off all those bankers who didn't want to give me money because I'm still here and they're not, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> but at, at, 
But at the end of the day, my success is looking at my 20 year old son and seeing him so incredibly proud to be the poster child of the game board. And, you know, I've never, I, I don't even know if I said his name. So, so this is Eric we're talking about. And Eric is, he's incredibly proud of everything I've done. And I, and I'm so proud of everything he's accomplished that at the end of the day, I guess that's my success is every single one of these kids who walks back in my, my building years later and says, you know, without you, I was going to kill myself yesterday. Without you, hmm. I didn't do this. I mean, I, I had a kid came in one day and he said, you know, had you not followed me home that night as I rode my bike and, and he didn't know I was following him in the car. I was just hanging back about a, a block and watching where it's going. Um, he, uh, he was in bad sorts. He was doing bad things. He was starting to go down the road of drugs and he was making bad decisions. And I just knew he was a kid who was making stupid decisions in my store and acting dumb. And I followed him home and knocked on his front door and his mom came out and said, uh what and he came out and he's like what why do you follow me home and I'm like well because I care and his mom's like oh my god she came out gave me a hug she's like thank you thank you for caring about my child and he's right now working on a his he's in a sophomore year program at LTC working on becoming a police officer that's success another good answer (laughs) it's it's my life and I'm really blessed to be living it so yeah. You can't see it, but I think I had a smile on pretty much this entire you? Oh, time. God, I'm glad. <laughs> this whole whole interview. So. Oh, thank you. Good. I'm glad because I've probably been needing a, te- a Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have appreciate people who appreciate what you do, and that's my paycheck. That's my paycheck at the end of the day, every day. <sighs> well, I appreciate what you do. Thanks, Tom. I, and I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your oh, stories and telling us all about it. I think this is. This has been a great show. I hope the uh, listeners really enjoyed it. I hope so too. (laughs) I'm going to, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get a a lot of feedback on this one. So uh, yeah, I want to thank you again coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, are there any parting words for the listeners that you want to drop down before we say goodbye? Yes. Our tagline game to live, live to game playing for the health of it. Cool. Thanks, Tom. You are awesome. Thanks for asking me all these hard questions too. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to, it's nice to have somebody challenge my, my brain to come up with the answers in one place. <laughs> I'm very fitting for the, the subject matter, right? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Sure. Right, Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lynn Podium. It was one of the most enjoyable interviews I've had in a long time, so thanks again, Lynn, for coming on the show and sharing your story and your passion with us. And to close out the episode by telling you where you can go to connect with Lynn and her business, The Game Board. You can visit the website by going to the-gameboard.com, and I'll include her social media links in the show notes to this episode so you can connect with her online as well. So be sure to go to maniversesaga.com, forward slash mvp060 that's mvp060 to find that info now there's a quote that you'll find on lynn's site that i also want to include here i think it really speaks to the kind of good that a friendly local game store can do for a community and it goes like this tell me and i forget teach me and i may remember involve me and i learn all right i'm tom trapp and i've been your host stay strong keep improving and i'll talk to you next time